Coaster Kings Radio. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another episode of the Coaster Kings Radio. It is me, Sean, and... Hi. It's Alex. And me. we are here to talk about Coaster King, Kawaii Coaster Kings Part, Part two, 2, which is uh, the follow-up episode on our first Hawaii, I mean, Japan Kawaii-inspired... <laughs> so sorry, guys. It's been a long day. Yeah. Um, episode. So this time we'll be talking about some other Japanese parks, including Suzuka Circuit, Hameji and Harikata, Toshimane and Sea Paradise, as well as our favorites, Nagashima, Spa-Land, and the Disneyland and Disney Sea parks. Um, so without further ado, we will be starting with... We start, okay, the Suzuka Circuit. Yeah, you tell me more. Okay. <laughs> so in our first, in our first episode about our first episode about the uh, Japan parks, we had Sven uh, kind of curating this um, as someone who has uh, never been to Japan before. Uh, we don't have him for this follow up to this, where we kind of we we wanted to talk about all the parks in one podcast but the podcast was getting too long so we were like all right we'll wrap it up for now but we still had a lot of major parks to talk about um but we figured we would just come in and even though we don't have Sven for this one we will he will be with us in spirit and uh we'll continue to to grow ourselves about um the Japanese parks so Suzuka Circuit which is a park that is famous uh less so for the amusement park uh, aspect of it. The amusement park itself is called Mototopia and it's part of a larger complex that includes the Suzuka Circuit uh, Raceway. And um, on our Suzuka Circuit visit it was pouring rain the entire time but all the rides were open which was really nice because that was not the case uh, at some of the other parks that we visited in, in Japan that can be a, a lot more strict and stringent with the uh, operating rides in the rain, but Suzuka Circuit was open, even though it poured rain the entire time. Um, the, the first thing that we rode uh, was a, a... it Was it, was it Togo? Did Togo build this ride? I don't know who bought it. It may have been Senyo, given there it was, was no legroom whatsoever. Yeah, okay. But I can look it, it up was, Yeah, it was um, Adventure, Adventure Drive. Drive. Yeah. And um, we were the first ones in line for Adventure Drive, and Adventure Drive is neat because it uses several different forms of propulsion, uh, including lift hills, uh, tire-driven launches, uh, gravity, of course. Oh, yeah, it's a Hoi Sanyo. Yeah, Hoi Sanyo. It was a really cute coaster, kind of like little Wild Mouse-ish type ride, but with lots of different kinds of things Yeah, it was like a a mine train meets a Wild Mouse meets... A dark ride that's outside. It was just so there's little launches, little lift hills, um, tire driven sections, mm-hmm. and the entire idea was that you were going through an adventure drive through the jungle or something. Pretty of much that everything kind. at Suzuka Circuit, like so many of the, they have a ton of tracked rides, like lots of car rides, coasters, monorails, like everything in Suzuka Circuit has like a, a like a like a locomotion yeah. theme. Um, and this coaster was no different. However, what was interesting about our experience is... Um, we broke our first coaster. We, <laughs> we got there, and it was, like I said, pouring rain. 
and we noticed the ride had tire drives at parts of the ride, and I'm like, wow, I can't believe they're running this ride in the rain, um, despite the fact that there are parts of the ride that are tire-driven. And But then we were like, well, they probably know their ride better than we do. It's probably not an issue. Um, and then we rode, and then it was an issue. The first <laughs> issue was that there's no legroom on this coaster. That was also, yes, that's an issue as so well. So we were in pain the entire ride, which is fine, because you know, this is Japan, and this is not our first coast in Japan, so like pain was... Part of, part of the ride experience. It's part of the However, experience, yeah. we're like halfway through the ride, and we're almost at the end. And I'm like, we're ready to never ride this thing again. And we are going up this lift hill, we'll try a different lift hill. Yeah. And we could just hear the tires struggling. We came through. And of course, the train never made it. It, up was our, our, it was the second launch. We did the second launch, and then went around a corner, and then the tire drives, basically, were supposed to push us up over this little hill that went over the station, and then over into the brake run. We never made it over the hill. We uh, sat with the tire drive squealing, and the four of us, it was me and Sean and the Perry twins, um, who we mentioned a couple times in the last Japan episode, because we hung out with them a lot. It was the four of us um, trying to shimmy ourselves forward and maybe assist the tire drives in some way, but our attempts were futile. Uh, so we sat there in the pouring, and it's not just like it's not just pouring rain. It's like this was monsoon. monsoon. Rain. It's just the cars filling up with water. We're all drenched. Like we're just cold, freezing. We can look out of our eyes, and all the acers are laughing at us because they're all in line for this coaster. But they're all want to ride, but we just we're broke in it. plain view. It's very clear that we are the ones that broke the ride, or well, broke it in a sense. But um. Then a rescue attempt was made by the yeah. lovely crew of Suzuka Circuit. The staff had to climb up onto the catwalks, and uh, we all got to wear harnesses and, um, and safety helmets hats, helmets, and, and then we, we got evacuated off. Yep, and we walked. We walked down the catwalk, and then we walked under the helix of the ride, and mm-hmm. through, back to the station. Yep. And um, we thought, okay, well, this coaster's done for the day. But actually, through the heroic efforts of Suzuka. They got the ride back open. It was a tedious process for a lot of people because when they once they got it open again, they were running it each car with just one person. Um, basically, by sending it through with lighter loads, they knew that it, the ride had a better chance of actually completing a circuit. In the rain, but just it was nice that they didn't get shut down entirely. Yeah, we were super. They took such good care of us. We were super grateful of their efforts, and they were embarrassed that they had to evacuate us. And they were like, "Are you okay?" We're like, "We are so doing great right now. Like, we're this is amazing. Like, we're having a good time." They're like tearing their hair out, but we enjoyed that aspect of it. And uh, I think everyone got their credit. It just took a long time once they realized that loading all four seats of the ride was um, not really going to work. <laughs> um, so after we got evacuated, we never, we didn't, we counted the credit even though we got evacuated and we did not re-ride because we didn't feel like waiting in line to re-ride. And we just honestly, well, I mean, Sean certainly didn't enjoy his ride at all because of the leg room. So we just, we kind of just, we left it on the table and we're like, we're still counting it. We only missed like, five percent of the ride we got the meat of the of the ride under our belts and we just took that as a win and carried on the other traditional coaster like i say traditional this park as according to roller coaster database this park has two coasters but we actually counted more than that 
they have a few oddball oh, yeah, rides. Four. Five. Five? Well, two sides of yeah. the... Yeah. They have a couple of unusual attractions that are kind of coasters, depending on who you ask. Um, we don't generally... I mean, I don't count powered coasters usually. Sean does. And then there's, there's coasters at Suzuka Circuit, or I guess attractions at Suzuka Circuit, that are somewhere between a coaster and a powered coaster, like a gray area. They're a little bit... like They, they have moments of gravity-powered... Uh, like coasting and then moments of, of like propulsion via the vehicle mechanisms um, so it kind of it, it kind of you could chalk it up to to just to tastes one of their newest attraction is, it a, is an attraction called Dual GP which was so much fun it was a dueling coaster like ride um, yeah it was like um a giant lift hill, pretty much, that was limb-powered. Mm-hmm. And then the vehicles would spin every turn. So you would, like, you have to drive a vehicle, and then your... You had a top. steering wheel, and it, you could either choose to keep going straight, because if you if you turned your... if you, you could spin yourself out and do, like, donuts, basically, on this coaster, which was so fun, and that was part of the whole experience. But if you were good and steered yourself through the turns the way you're supposed to, you could actually, like, win the race. But, yeah, it's, like, a steady uphill climb, and then you get to the top, and there's three small drops, um, you know, with magnetic brake runs at the bottom of each one. There's two tracks. We're like, okay, this is a racing coaster, basically. Like, a lot of people didn't count it as a credit. There's people. It was definitely the most Suzuka Circuit-ish ride there was, because it was <laughs> themed to, like, themed you know, to, drifting and racing. Yeah, drift and, racing. And we're like, this is just freaking cool. Like, this isn't even just... I mean, anyone that already counts powered coasters probably counted it anyway, but for the people who don't, even we were just like, well, this is, I mean, this thing is cool, and it's more than just a powered coaster. Like, it was really unique. The way the track was set up, the propulsion, the brakes, like, it wasn't a coaster in the traditional sense, but we we called it a credit just because of how uh, undeniably coaster-like the attraction was, and, you know, we, we... we don't really like to split hairs too much. Like it, we, we think if there's a good enough argument to count it, then we may as well count it. Like we don't we don't try to be like gatekeepers when it comes to like what is or isn't a coaster. Um, if it has coaster track, if it has moments where it's you know coasting freely, etc. It's not even and this dual GP ride isn't even the only ride at Suzuka Circuit that was kind of a. a philosophical coaster credit thing because there's another there's another ride which was possibly the best ride of the park I'm trying to think of the name again Den Den Mushi that's what it was I was thinking of Mushi okay. Den, Den Den, Den, Den Mushi, Mushi yeah. which is a nursery rhyme a Japanese nursery rhyme about garden snails and the Den Den Mushi ride starts out as like a kind of like an elevated tramway individual cars on like very coaster like track the truck was definitely coaster track. And it's, it, it was a little bit like, this looked like kind of a, a precursor to dual GP, where they're like, the vehicles have their own mode of, of propulsion for the uphill portion. But Den Den Mushi, like dual GP, had a coaster portion where you had several drops and inclines. Den Den, and Den Mushi even had like a little, like a bunny hop, where like the, you could hear the engine in the vehicle turn off, and you went down the drop and up a little hill. And then down again, and then you hear the motor kick back in. We're like, "Oh snap! This is a credit, basically." Like, you could argue really hard that it's not, but 
like I mean, we're just not we we just don't think it's that big of a deal. <laughs> like we're not we don't lie awake at night trying to like decide what is or isn't a credit. We're just kind of like, well, if it was coaster enough and it was fun and it was different. Really, the thing the the difference here it's like it's not like there's a bunch of these snail rides or like a bunch of rides like dual GP. Like these are one of a kind attractions. Um, so if something is really, really unique like these, like it's easier for us to justify counting it. Um, and then there's one more actual kind of And then they have like a normal coaster. coaster which is another coaster. Senyo coaster. Yeah, it was a rocky coaster. Um, this one is cool because the last it's car... A, it's a little bit of a jet coaster. There's yeah, no version. The last car is turned backward. So we rode backward and that yeah, was, that was, cool. a coaster, that was yeah. If mm-hmm. it weren't for the riding backward, it wouldn't have been very It was actually, it was actually pretty intense. But yeah, it was pretty but fun. But it, it was cool. It was their, it's their only other... It's really the only ride there. It's like it predates... The so explicit good. fascination with propulsion-themed rides. Uh, so it's just a coaster, basically, with no, like, theme tie-in. But, like, some of the newer stuff, like, they have... They have this suspended monorail that's themed to, like, steampunk... Submarines? Yeah, it was some... It was it was really neat. And it, this was another one where people were asking themselves if it was a credit. I don't think we ended up counting Dude, quite it. Some this one was more... This one was more... This one was... It was... More similar to like the Disneyland monorail, but like a suspended version. It, was, it wasn't quite coaster enough for us. We were like, we already counted a bunch of stuff here that people are going to laugh at us for counting. So we better just we just like, leave it, leave us where we are, uh, and, <laughs> and not tempt fate with counting everything at this park as a credit. Um, but yeah, it was, the park was really cute. It had a lot of just interesting, different, neat, different rides. Lots of different themes, uh, and then and the 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 coasters, Dual GP and Den Den Mushi, the the, the quasi coasters that we decided to count after the fact ended up being like the highlights of the park for us because they were so weird uh, and so charming. Especially Den Den Mushi. I mean, Dual GP was cool, but Den Den Mushi was the most Japanese thing imaginable because not only are you riding in a garden snail. Um, but there is a small snail mascot inside of your vehicle that, like, it's an audio animatronic, and he, like, looks, like, he, like, looks around and tells you, like, a story in Japanese. So, like, you're going through this monorail quasi-lift hill thing leading up to the coaster bit, but all the while you have an animatronic snail, um telling you a story of some kind which we we couldn't understand but it was just so cute it was just the cutest most japanese thing ever so it left an impression it was a good park so the restaurant there's a restaurant in the middle of the park that we oh, yeah. were hiding from the rain we saw the rides operate from there um but they had amazing pancakes so yeah, we went to a there pancake you go. House. don't forget to eat pancakes when yeah at that park go eat pancakes at suzuka circuit absolutely um, from that small park, which has a much larger presence, given that it's next to one of the world's m- best known racetracks, racetracks, yeah, um, we're gonna go to some parks that no one really knows about unless you're coast enthusiasts. Uh, and that's Himechi Central Park, mm-hmm. which is located somewhat close to Osaka. Yeah, these are like the nowhere. small parks that we are in, on the tour for Osaka. We had obviously a Universal Studios Japan day, and then we had a kind of a small parks day where we split Himeji Central. Park in or Himeji Central Safari Park, I think, was like the full name. Yeah, of the I never park. saw a single animal there, but there was supposedly it's a safari, a safari park. park. I guess you can just call yourself whatever you want. <laughs> uh, and then Hirakata Park, which is actually in the metro um, of Osaka, and these parks were great little credit runs, small, 
odd, uh, unmistakably Japanese, definitely full of surprises. Himeji Central Park's claim to fame is that they have a Batman the Ride clone, um, which they built in 1994. Uh, yeah, it's called the uh, Diablo, Diablo with a V, as in Victor. We actually talked about <laughs> Diablo a little bit in our Six Flags Great Adventure versus Cedar Point episode, because we were talking about how uh, some of our friends think that the Batman clone at Great Adventure is the best one, and I said, no, I think this one in Japan is the best one, because it's so... Even Weird. if the one in Japan didn't exist, just for the record, the one in Great Adventure would not be the best one, but that's besides the point. Oh, you. Okay. I mean, Come yeah, on, I, I don't disagree. No, I think you. it's statewide the best Batman clone. Um, no. No, I'm, no I'm, I'm asking. No, I'm asking. Oh, uh, well, the one in Georgia is better than that. I think the one in Magic Mountain is better than that. I'm very partial to the one at Magic Mountain and uh, the Great White. Yeah, it's Sea World. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I don't know whoever thought that Great Adventures Batman was the because best they one. think everything at Great Adventure is the best, and that's okay. We still love them. And not really. So yeah, back to Himeji Central so Park. Himeji, it has, that, has, it has a Batman clone. A Batman clone, even though this park is in a farm in the middle of nowhere. We're like, I, we don't know how they afforded a Batman clone, and uh, we don't. We're not con- like the park is doing well. We talked a little bit about how a lot of the smaller parks in Japan have struggled uh, amid their recession and probably uh, struggled under the the insurmountable weight of the competing major parks like the Tokyo Disney Resort and uh, Universal Studios Japan. Universal Studios Japan has not been around for that long. I don't think people necessarily realize. Tokyo Disney Resort's been around since 83, but Universal Studios Japan didn't open until 2001. Um, so the parks of the Osaka region are less than 20 years into dealing um, with, the, with the long-term effects of having a global uh, juggernaut park, particularly this, this park that has such an incredibly high attendance. Um, so back in the 90s, I think Hiraka- uh, Himeji Park <laughs> was very ambitious with their Batman clone. Um, and they also have an Intamin first-gen freefall, which was probably the favorite ride of the day. Uh, we also had one at Nagashima Spotland, which we'll talk about later. We are so obsessed with first-gen free falls because they are still but the most thrilling, I think, of the drop ride experiences. The real fun of this park, and however much I may or may have not liked the comfort of these rides, is that this was probably the most Japanese park that, I w- that we went to, in my opinion. Totally. Um, every single coaster there, besides Batman clone, was just completely Japanese every yeah. way possible. There was oh, a yeah. giant jet coaster yeah. over the Camelback entrance. Camelback jet coaster. Uh, that was pretty Classic. great. Classic. You have Hurricane, which is a, um, of course, uh, it's actually a Togo sit-down looping coaster. And this park, this ride was second-hand, too. Yeah, it was open in 07. In 07. But it came from um, Kintensu Ayamaiki as Tornado, and now it's Hurricane. So, so yeah, pretty much it same. changed. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a double, no, it's a single double loop, loop single and loop, then double cork. Double cork. The rides transitions are rough, and the comfort of the trains are quite miserable too. But this it was funny, the most me, Japanese looking looper. That it's funny to me on. how like this park built a Batman clone in 1994, but for 2007 they added. A vintage Togo looping coaster. A little budget trying to compete. kind of yeah, kind of representing probably the direction that this park has been in. Uh, then it was a Pin Ferry. Uh, oh yeah, they have a Wacky Wacky Worm Worm. Clone, and then they also have Labyrinth, which was uh, this really. I don't even great know how to explain that, but it's a Meshio mouse, mouse, wow, mouse type coaster. It was really my cute. train. They yeah, just, it was actually really yeah, cute. I that liked was it. fun. So this park is, has five really good coasters. 
Well, I mean, well, it has five, five coasters. It has five credits. Two of which are good. A couple of them are very good. And they have the Intamin first-gen Freefall, which actually, uh, if for those of you who are already frustrated with us because of the credits from Suzuka Circuit that we counted, um, we also decided on the Japanese trip that we count Intamin Freefalls as credits um, because they are comprised of of you know quintessential roller coaster components and really the only the only knock against them is that they don't coast uphill at any point but there's there's also a lot of coasters out there that that don't coast uphill that are still widely accepted as credits particularly like little like pteranodon flyer at universal studios and like there's definitely like kitty coasters and stuff out there rides where they're just very simple um there's not a whole lot to it if you're looking at an Intamin Freefall in the context of a coaster, but, I mean, it's got a lift hill, it has a drop, it's got anti-rollbacks, it's got friction brakes, it's, it's got a station, it's got, you know, it's got all of the coaster components. Um, so we really, you know, it's kind of just as far as we're concerned, like, we, we don't think there's a good enough reason not to count these as credits unless you're just really... Really, the best reason that I can think of is that if people don't want to count them because they don't want to seem like they're trying to pad their credit list, I guess that that's valid. Like, not everyone wants to count everything. Uh, no one should feel like they have to count these just because we do. But we just thought, you know, looking at it from a from a mechanical perspective, we're like, we don't know why more people don't count these. I think they're more coaster like than some of the things that people do count. I mean. Everyone counts bobsled coasters, but they're not even attached to the track. Like they have a a wheel assembly that is very un coaster like compared to something like Freefall, which has uh road wheels, upstop wheels, and I think it has wheels on the side too. Basically, by the time we got to this park, because we'd already ridden the Freefall at Nagashima Spa Land, and we're like, actually I think these are kind of these are sort. Of, I think there's a case to be made that these are coasters because they're just too coaster-like to to ignore the fact that they're very coaster-like. Um, really, this whole Japan trip really made us take a closer look at uh, what constitutes a credit because, in addition to free falls and things like Denden Mushi, like cycle railways, cycle coasters. Yeah, they have actual lift hills, and then you have to cycle, and then there's actual drops, and then you cycle again. And there's brake runs and everything. Like, yeah, yeah, you would go through very slowly if you didn't pedal your way through. It's a cycle monorail, or, or railway, or raceway, as they call them. So the, the point is, is you use bicycle mechanisms in the vehicles. There's actually one at the other, at Hirakata Park um, has one. We, we wrote a couple of them. There was one in the oh, to- sorry, we rode three. There was one at uh, Toshima. Uh, uh, there was one at Yomiuri Land, one at Hirakata Park, and one at um, Cosmo World. Cosmo World. Yeah. Um, and all of them had similar hallmarks: lift hill drops. Um, at least two of them had uphill coast moments too, where, like, I guess th- it's conceivable that you could valley on these, and then you're sitting there on your little bicycle vehicle, probably not able to bike yourself up the incline and then you probably need assistance from a staff member um is possible however like again bearing all of this in mind we're like we we can't we can argue that these aren't a coaster but we can also argue that they are not a coaster and in the era of like alpine coasters and mountain coasters that are 
widely gaining acceptance as credits. We kind of feel like the, the cycle monorail or the cycle raceway uh, of Japan is kind of like the mountain coaster of Japan. There's a, there is a human operator element involved, but um, because it has all of the mechanical components of a coaster, we have a hard time being convinced that it's absolutely, definitely not a credit. Um, but it's everyone's, it's everyone's opportunity to, to determine based on their own, their own logic whether or not something is a credit. It, in the grand scheme of things, a lot of these, uh, these iffy credits make up a very small percentage of most people's counts anyway. So, like, yeah, some of these oddball coasters we counted in Japan... It's like, okay, we counted them. They made up like less than 5% of the credits that we got on the trip, you know, because it was, it was certainly flush with undeniable traditional credits um, that were unique in ways other than the fact that they were, you know, may or may not have been credits. Um, also at Hirakata Park, the normal coasters at this park, they have a little Intamin wooden coaster called Elf, so I see one of the better rides on the trip. It was it was cute and not much, not much to it. No big drops or crazy intense helixes or anything. Uh, helices, I should say. But it was just a good ride. It was fun. And if you, for any Efteling fans out there, Elf is like really similar to Pegasus, mm-hmm. which was the Intamin wooden coaster at Efteling prior to it being exchanged for Joris and the Drac, the dueling GCI wooden coaster. Elf is like the closest relative. Um. To, to Pegasus that we have. It's very a very similar, um, just family-style Intamin wooden coaster, kind of like a like a kitty cyclone layout of sorts. Um, Hirakata Park's big coaster is Red Falcon, which is just a another classic uh, Japanese jet coaster. This one had big red trains that resemble those of an aero looper so we were fond of those and it was actually kind of cool that uh, it's kind of a jet coaster but a little more speed to it a little more force went around the park definitely a lot yeah, bigger than more, more powerful jet coasters. Than, i mean like the camelback jet coaster which we rode at himeji that morning like was very straightforward in its design whereas red falcon you could tell was a little bit later a little bit more varied went all design. over the park the interesting thing about the track on red falcon was that um the spine at no point would ever turn so the spines were all flat, but yeah. then the actual track would be raised differently. Yeah. So it's just a really funny looking yeah, track. The, the, um, the track bed was so unique for this ride. Rather than, yeah, rather than like the whole track uh, angling uh, for the turns, the individual cross beams between the rails would raise or lower to accommodate for banking. Um, banking. It's it's hard. It's hard to explain. But yeah, look We're at a Red Falcon a, at Hirakata yeah. Park, and you'll see what I'm talking look about. Look at it, like yeah. Look up. Some, oh yeah, Hirakata Park Red Falcon roller coaster database. Look at some pictures of this ride. The track system is so interesting. Um, it can probably better explain what we're trying to explain uh, through just showing you. But it's 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 that was it was interesting. It's, you can get up really close to this ride, especially on their log flume. They have an excellent log flume, which. Like the excellent log flume at Cosmo World, uh, it has a big drop, and you the louder you scream on the drop, you, you there's a point points, system that yeah. records your scream, and it will award a point value based on how loud you and your party screamed on the drop. Um, and then another ride they have this crazy mouse. It's just your usual um, Revitron, or Revitron, how you pronounce that. Yeah. Um, spinning mouse, however, just cars do not spin whatsoever, so the yep. ride's quite intense. The cars are locked. It was fun. Yep. I guess that was that's the crazy part about it is that it doesn't do what it 
designed to do, but I'm not a big fan of spinning mice personally, so I wasn't bothered. Then they have a ride called the Fantastic Coaster Rowdy. Fantastic Coaster Rowdy. This is a small mission. It was kind of like that one ride we just talked about. It was sort of a labyrinth. Yeah, kind of of like labyrinth. Just like a mix of a wild mouse, um, a mine train, and just just small turns, small drops. Nothing too spectacular. Remember being a little bit rough, um, unlike Labyrinth, but it was fun. And then there's a ride called Coro Truck or Coro Truck. Okay, so this kitty coaster, the name of it. At was the park. Originally, Roller Coaster Database originally misnomered this ride. There's they no name there. thought that it was called Peekaboo Town, but it actually, Peekaboo Town is the name of the kitty area, and there's a big sign in front, or uh, I guess a, behind the kitty coaster that says Peekaboo Town. And um, so the ride was incorrectly labeled as such, but I believe it was around the time that Ace went to Japan that Roller Coaster Database was either alerted or figured out. Uh, that the Kitty Coaster has its own name, Coro Truck, and that Peekaboo Town is just the name of the kitty area. This is not one of those, like, um, Senyo rides where sitting down meant that, like, I could not touch the seat. I was pretty much just yeah. Imagine, like, a little Kitty Coaster bench, and I was sitting with one butt cheek on the bench, the other butt yeah. cheek floating in the air, and my legs were just... I didn't even have a restraint or anything. And yeah, Sean and our friend Bob Zeems, um, who are the two tallest people on the tour... I have a great picture of them riding this coaster together, sitting together, riding side saddle, facing a 90-degree angle away from where they, where you would normally face uh, on, a, on a roller coaster because that was the only way for them to fit in this ride. And um, the ride operators were um, kind enough to allow for the ride to dispatch, even though the only part of you that was under the lap bar was, like, your left hip, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we had a couple. There was a couple rides like that where it's like you put your seatbelt on. If like there the is banana one. coaster. At oh yeah, World. family banana coaster at Cosmo World where it's like we weren't really. They put the. You know, we're sitting. We're like crunched, crunched up in a ball, with our you know our our legs tucked in, facing sideways, and the lap bar comes down just kind of over your left hip, and they're just like, all right, you know, the lap bar's down. You're in the seat. You're obviously not going anywhere. There's not really a good way to get thrown from these rides if getting out requires so much effort anyway. Exactly. So, Another great ride at this park that I don't want to forget about is the um, the second generation Infinite Freefall. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. That was good. And you get a really great... This, this park is built on a hill. So a lot of hills, a lot of walking, a lot of climbing. However, there's a Ferris wheel on top of the hill. But you can also take a look at... It's kind of in the middle of the metro, so mm-hmm. you see a bunch of these Shinkansen trains we run by and stuff. And on the, yeah, and on the, the way back, back. We, we went from Osaka to Tokyo in the morning on our last day, and we most definitely saw Red Falcon in the entire park right next to it. So it's kind of cool. It's, a, it's, a, it's in a nice location. I like it. Yeah, it's very scenic. It almost... Like, seeing it from, from the train and stuff, the way the rides are all layered on the hill, kind of reminds me of Six Flags St. Louis on a smaller scale. You have, like, the wooden coaster that's kind of floating up there in the back and um, various tower rides and things kind of stacked on each other, uh, layered very nicely. Um, Yeah, great, really cute little park. Um, Yeah, the Intamin second-gen freefall was, like, probably one of their newer-looking, Also, one of the things we the most. It was fun. uh, Yeah. They really love drop rides in Japan. Like, um, Nagashima, for example, they have... They're Intamin Freefall and also a three-sided uh, SNS tower. Um, but at no point does, does an SNS tower negate uh, a freefall, I guess, in this culture because they're just 
they're just too fun, and they could always use the capacity, I guess. I mean, so like Dorney Park doesn't do the same thing. Demon sure. Drop, and it's nice. Time. Actually, did you know like one of Dorney Park's uh, three towers just on their SNS them. tower is empty? Yeah, I know. That. Yeah, so I guess they really only had three, but three total drop rides. But Spotland has four. And but before uh, we get to Spotland, we're actually oh, yeah. gonna talk a little bit about we're gonna Disney talk about and Disney Sea. So um, oh, yes, it's Disney time. You know, um, very, very important aspect of the theme park industry in Japan is Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea. We'll start with Tokyo Disneyland because Sea is better. (laughs) So, Tokyo Disney Resort, uh, which is pretty much in in a harbor in in the downtown Tokyo area, this resort is so ingrained in the cultural fabric. Of, of, of Tokyo, of Japan, like, some people would think that going to a Disney park on their Japan trip would not be, a, like, a valuable use of their time and maybe not uh, not a good example of, of enjoying the culture. Uh, but we would argue the opposite, that uh, there is really few things that the Japanese people of Tokyo uh, <laughs> are more jazzed about than Tokyo Disney. It is just... Everyone knows about it, talks about it. There's just Disney. There's there's trace traces of Disney all throughout the city. You can tell... Just walking around, you could go to Harajuku or any of these, like, the popular neighborhoods in Japan, and just Disney is everywhere. There's Disney stores and people wearing, you know, accessories and outfits and things that they bought on their their Tokyo Disney visits. Like, this, this resort like is so loved and so part of the culture um the great thing about Disneyland itself is that it's our Disneyland no Tokyo Disneyland is that it feels so classic mm-hmm. the logo is super retro yeah they have the yeah, classic the Space Mountain land the Castle Park as the, we call it the Castle yeah so um they have a big Thunder Mountain it's one of the better maintained ones with a different ending where it has a drop into a little valley and then back into the break run which is fun um, I would say the Space Mountain is really, is really cool Mountain because it's awesome. classic. So like, there is still the, the little conveyor belts that carry you up to the to the to the dome, mm-hmm. and then the actual ride has no sound effects. There's no onboard, onboard. audio or offboard audio. So it's, it's just, just a bunch of stars and then mm-hmm. light up rockets that are zooming by. You can mm-hmm. even see them from the queue still. Mm-hmm. So it's honestly really cool. Yeah, for anyone that can remember, like they think back to like what it was like to do Space Mountain in the '80s at Disneyland. This is. That's when this one was built. It was basically, like, the Tokyo Disney Resort was opened in 1983. Um, it was built at around the time um, that Disneyland was starting to churn out coasters, you know, the late 70s. And then in the early 80s, Disneyland did their uh, Fantasyland remodel. Major, major shift in uh, the design aspect of probably the most pivotal area of, of Disneyland. And um, so the the... the Development of Disneyland as a park with coasters, and also the uh, the growth and change of Fantasyland. Those are two things that definitely manifested in the design uh, for Tokyo Disneyland. Uh, Space Mountain opened first with the park, and it is pretty much exactly the way it was when it opened, which is exactly how Anaheim's was at the time. They have a Gadgets Go coaster, which is pretty mm-hmm. much the same too. I find the one in Anaheim a little more attractive. <laughs> and then they have yeah. This is the only Dirt other Spice park Mountain. that has Toontown, like yeah. our 
But well, Airtoon Town is very much merged with Fantasyland, is mm-hmm. where the one in Anaheim is it's much more separated. Isolated, yeah. And then they have Splash Mountain, which has similar boats to those in Orlando. World. However, the restraints are individual U-bars, and they have no legroom whatsoever. It's pretty miserable. But I like the way it was set up. Um, the queue is mostly inside. The station's inside instead of outside. So it's all a little bit more like, weatherproof. And you don't get wet in that ride at all. Tokyo Disneyland is like, incredibly... They, it, was, it was cool how to Incredibly efficiently designed. Like, it is almost so... It's almost so well organized that it feels almost a little bit too calculated, but I guess you could say that it's very fitting for Tokyo for it to be so incredibly calculated, but everything just is slotted in so nicely. Like, the the back perimeter of the park, Splash Mountain, Haunted Mansion, Small World, uh, the Alice in Wonderland restaurant, Pooh's Honey Hunt, and... Um, Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin are all just lined up so evenly. Um, a lot of the Disney parks, like they kind of have like the wagon wheel shape, um, but this is this is Tokyo Disneyland is built like the Pentagon. It is you are never more than like a ten minute walk from anything in this park. I feel nothing. There's like almost no dead ends. There's like an inner circle and an outer circle, and Main Street USA doesn't exist. Rather than having you know, you go down Main Street USA and you hit the hub and then you access everything from the hub. Tokyo Disneyland has World Bazaar, which is basically Main Street USA, but instead of being a street, it's an intersection. So you can be halfway down World Bazaar, which is like being halfway down Main Street USA, and you can take a hard right and be in Tomorrowland, or a hard left and be in Adventureland. So it's it's a little different because I think it's ingrained psychologically for the American Disney parks and, and also, you know, Paris and Hong Kong, pretty much most of these places, most of these Disney parks. Like well, I don't know that it feels so similar, though, because, yeah. like, they have Pirates that is very similar to Anaheim setup, yeah. except for it's a little bit shorter. And then the Space Mountain the again, Haunted Tomorrowland, Mansion. the Haunted Mansion. Um, the Big Thunder Mountain and Splash Mountain are switched around in, to, compared to Anaheim's, yeah. where Big Thunder is kind of like, uh, well, Disney World, like, in a furthest point away. And then, but their Splash Mountain is kind of a little close to the middle of the park. Then they have um, they got Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise. They don't have a tr- they have they have a train ride, but it's not the Disneyland Express. Rather than have a train ride that like encircles the park, they just have a train ride that's on the left side of the park, and it What's wraps around Adventureland and um, Frontierland or Westernland. Westernland is actually yeah. what they call it. Um, and it's just as one station, and it's just a ride, but it has the classic. Um, the, the, like the the train through Rainbow Ridge and uh, Nature's Wonderland and and the uh, primeval world and stuff like all of that there is is present. It's basically, basically this park does away with with some of the class more classic conventions of the original Disneyland and Magic Kingdom by like not having a main street for the sake of opening up the park and making it a true wagon wheel. Um, However, the park still lacks a feel original. Um, a lot of what it does, the other Disney parks have already done. Well, I mean, it really feels like yet another one of the Magic Kingdom parks. There's very little uniqueness to it. Yeah. Especially the the real main thing they have unique to themselves is their Hapu's Honey Hunt, Hapu's which Honey is Hunt. the uh, Trackers Dark Ride uh, with some cool technology, and it's definitely one of their their now outstanding attractions. 
However, everything else that has to offer, all their e-tickets, they're all in some way, shape, or form represented in either Magic Kingdom or in the regular, uh, original Disneyland. So I wouldn't say that the park is too be on your priority list if you only have to know one, a few parks to choose in Japan. Oh yeah, if you have one day. Disneyland, Tokyo, and Tokyo Disneyland is awesome, but it's really, really crowded. <laughs> a lot of people, the old FastPass system, and a lot of attractions you've already experienced somewhere else. So even though it's really, really great and it's well-maintained, it feels more classic than even Magic Kingdom does now. Because Magic Kingdom just feels like it's Updates. made for the masses. Yeah. Tokyo Disneyland feels like it's been the same since the 80s, and it's really, really great. It's a great, great upkeep. However, I don't think... It is all that. Like, when we ranked all of our parks, Magic Kingdom didn't rank very high, but neither did Tokyo Disneyland. Tokyo Disney Sea, however, right next door, is one of the best theme park attractions. One of the best theme parks ever built, like, by far. If you think Disneyland is great in Tokyo, Disney Sea will just, I don't even know what to say. It's just such a fantastic place. Where, yeah, where Tokyo Disneyland has, like, a handful of unique rides. I mean, they've got Pooh. They have the Monsters, Inc. ride, which is... Which is really cute. It, it's sort of like a shooting dark ride, but you use flashlights to activate the audio animatronics throughout the ride. Very clever. Um, very family-friendly. Um, again, classically Japanese. And right now they're building um, the Beauty and the Beast trackless dark ride, um, which will be now, I guess, the park's third uh, park-unique attraction, which is great because Tokyo Disneyland could really use more that's special to that park. Meanwhile, Tokyo Disney Sea is is brimming with attractions that are either totally unique to the park or are um, modified to be modified to be very park specific. So, for those who have no clue how Disney Sea works, except for that it's themed to the seas, which it is obviously, um, you enter the park in kind of in a Mediterranean village. Which is called, what is it called again? Um, port. Where were you in the beginning? The Mediterranean area. I'm trying to remember. I feel sure. yeah, it was like yeah, it's just like a like Venetian. It has, it has, sort of, it has an obvious name to it. The I'm hotel. Like when you enter Tokyo Disney Sea, you're actually passing underneath a major hotel, which is called the Hotel Miracosta. Um, this the park kind of feels a little bit like a more sophisticated, refined version of Universal's Islands of Adventure, where everything in this park has is like a port of call sort of feel it has it's just called Mediterranean, Mediterranean harbor. harbor okay, okay. It's we simple. looked it up on Wikipedia <laughs> yeah so Mediterranean Harbor it's this giant harbor with a nice lagoon the lagoon is used for live shows with boats and actors and yeah. dancers and there's Instead restaurants and the Fantasmic is shown there so like the moment you get in like the park is just giant it's this giant lake that's actually on the ocean and it has this really, really nice presence. Like, the moment you walk underneath Maracosta and you walk in, you're, like, just... You're transported. It's, you're in awe. Like, it's just... Yeah. I can't believe this is a park. You have it's just, the, looks the so volcano, amazing. this, like, life-sized volcano in the background behind uh, Mediterranean Harbor, which is the focal point of this park. Is there is there frequently erupting uh, mysterious island volcano, which houses the flagship ride of the whole resort, honestly. Which is um, Journey to the Center of the, the Earth. Center of the Earth themed and based on the Jules Verne novel of the same name. It is um, a breathtaking dark ride-oriented achievement. At 20 years old, it is still one of the most impressive dark ride experiences on So the Earth. queue is pretty awesome, especially the ride before loading. And then the ride itself, however, is not very long, which is my long. biggest disappointment. It's is about that four the minutes is, long, if that. It's, it's definitely shorter than both um, cars and test track. This is this ride uses the test track ride, so like the Disney slot car system. It's it was it's 
uh, yes, cars, and so it's one of only three of, of its kind. Yeah. However, towards the end of the ride, you. I'm just going to give you a spoiler. I'm sure you've heard of it before. Yeah. You, uh, you speed up rapidly into an upward helix that spits out a volcano, mm-hmm. and then you have this major drop down. Honestly, there's crazy air on that thing, which crazy is something air. you would never expect on a dark ride from Disney. Uh, so that's really, really it's good. It's sort of the park's coaster component. They have a true roller coaster, Raging Spirits, which is a good ride. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about that later, but really, um, Raging Spirits didn't open with Disney Sea. It was opened on like the five year anniversary of Disney Sea. The, the quintessential thrill experience, and really just the quintessential experience, period, for this resort is Journey to the Center of the Earth because it has everything. The dark ride components, um, various scenes that represent your descent uh, into the Earth's core. Um, are like the scenes are just gorgeous and captivating and incredibly well done, and and then you get the the major thrill ride, roller coaster like payoff at the end. Um, so yeah, that that ride's it's a knockout again. Yeah, it's not very long, but it's it's longer than the average coaster, that's for sure. And uh, what what's there, everything just slaps. Like the ride, what 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 you do have is is all is perfect across the board. And a ride below the ride is actually not a ride. It's called um, a thousand twenty thousand leagues under the go. sea. So Disney's classic submarine style ride gets a, a facelift. And it gets the Jewel Verne steampunk uh, treatment that we would that uh, that you might find familiar. That our Disneyland Paris fans will will find uh, similarities here. Um, with the Discovery Land uh, area at Disneyland, and then um, so those are the rides for the for the Jules Verne area of the park, our, our mysterious island, um, and then that this this is sort of the hub of the park per se. Uh, it's not a perfect circle. Disney Sea is a, a bit more organic. Yeah, it's a little more of a, of a mess, but it's, that's <laughs> a, good, a good mess, I guess. Considering how orderly Tokyo Disneyland is and how almost overly organized and well compartmentalized the park is Disney Sea feels a lot more natural. Um, they have a little mermaid area that Yeah, it's called Mermaid Lagoon, yeah. it's half indoor, half outdoor, has a little Togo family coaster mm-hmm. that's the park's best extra roller coaster. <laughs> uh, it's called Flounders, Flounders Fish Coaster. Flying Fish Coaster. There you go. It's actually really cute. The indoor part it of the park much, it's is cute. it's it's kind of like for those of you who love Disney's California Adventure and Bugs Land these were actually the, the California Adventure and Disney Sea were being built at the same time, and um, sorry, California Adventure. Obviously, Disney Sea has was was a lot better, and that's mostly because Disney doesn't own the Tokyo Disney Resort. The Oriental Land Company owns um, the Disney Resort, and that is where the money comes from. The fact that Disney doesn't have to use any of their own money to build this place means that they can build whatever they want, and they just set the Imagineers free. Uh, to just do whatever whatever they like. So everything that was in the concept for Disney Sea was built, um, and that includes this area of the park that has it has jumping jellyfish, just like California Adventure, and then it's got several rides that um, you could also find at Flick's Fun Fair at uh, Bugs Land. Yeah, it has a couple outdoor rides, a couple indoor rides. It has a theater inside, which is the, the little King mermaid show. Theater. Super cool, like an aerial cool. show. Um, they have the Arabian Coast. And then there's the Arabian Coast, which is actually one of my favorite areas, simply because in Europe that subject is touched quite a bit, like Efteling is Fata Morgana, and 
Um, but in America, the whole theme of like Arabian, you know, an Arabian land, Arabian themed area, it's just hard to find. And they do such a great job at Tokyo Disney with that. There is a show, there is a carousel, there is an Aladdin. It's kind Jackson of two ride. halves. Like one half Games, is, is Aladdin. Restaurants. Like there's a like a southern half of the Arabian coast that is all Aladdin. They have a genie themed carousel, and then Aladdin the magic lamp, a lamp which is uh, like a a 3D show. Um, and then the north side of it has uh, the best ride. In the park. Like, ever. It's the storybook Voyages of Sinbad. In Shandu. Shandu. It's a little tiger friend. Storybook Voyages of Sinbad is Arabian-themed, obviously. Uh, small world, basically, but with much more detailed audio animatronics. Got some written amazing music. Beautiful. Hundreds and hundreds of animatronics. Um... It's just, I, I can't even, I don't even know what to say. It's, it's, just, right. it's just so incredibly good. It has good. so much incredible, like, such an incredible amount of substance. Everything is practical effects. Just countless, really detailed audio animatronics of um, Sinbad and the various people that he meets on his journey. Um, he basically goes, he, he leaves um, the Middle East to travel to India on <laughs> on. This is, you know, Disney taking some liberties about what Sinbad was about. Sinbad was really, you know, he was a pirate and he was barbaric and did lots of cool and bad things. Uh, but Disney's Sinbad is a is a is a man of global commerce and uh, travels to India and meets lots the of Sultan. friends on the way. Yeah, he goes to meet the Sultan um, and then returns back to um, the Middle East with treasures that he discovered on his voyage. Like, and the main point of this ride is that there's different stories for every, now for Sinbad. There's seven different stories, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And instead of, you know, these stories are separate events. Disney threw them all together and made them one, one big event. One event. So, like, one event leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. The like, song. every single person gives some sort of valuable item yeah. to help him succeed on his journey. And he comes back home. And the final scene is one of the best scenes like start the final scene, the, the party that they have, the yeah. the music crescendo, the song for this ride, "Compass of Your Heart," is absolutely one of my favorite Disney songs of all time, and just it is so so well written. <laughs> from like, I mean, it, it's it's a simple four chord kind of thing, but man, like the lyrics are great. It has Japanese and English lyrics, and the English lyrics are beautiful, even though the Japanese version is what you hear in the ride. The whole thing. I mean, you will be hearing, you'll be humming that song for the rest of your, the rest of your trip. trip. Yeah. Um, the ride is just, it's just a total knockout. It's so easy to, to like have your attention be drawn to some of the bigger, more thrilling rides in this park. But like the, the Sinbad ride is just a total knockout. It's easily the most underrated attraction in the entire Disney uh, lexicon. And really there's, like there's there's some good POVs of this ride on YouTube, like ones that have various multi-point shots of the different scenes and stuff. Do yourself a favor and watch a good, find a good low light, like high frame rate POV of Sinbad and and turn up the volume all the way, and introduce yourself to one of the greatest Disney rides ever. And another reason that. Arabian coast is so amazing is that they have a great restaurant where they serve all sorts of curry, curry. which curry is like curry. amazing of course awesome sick stuff and then the Disney Tokyo Disney thing is popcorn 
Yeah. And there's like 12 different flavors of popcorn. And it literally listed on the map so you can figure out where to get which flavor. We tried like five or six of them. Curry, Curry is the popcorn. best one. Curry popcorn. We got that at least four or five times. I mean, oh we, went, we went. To, we were to took it this for three days. Total. Yeah, and, and we got a bunch. It's just so good. There's so many good flavors of popcorn. There's dessert flavors, and there's there's savory flavors. There's flavors that are themed kind of to the areas of the park that they're in. Like you can get uh, a honey flavor popcorn over by Pooh's Honey Hunt at Disneyland. You get salt uh, and pepper curry popcorn. and Pacifius. Yeah. You yep. get shrimp popcorn. There is There's, chocolate popcorn. Yeah. strawberry popcorn. Yeah, it's it's teriyaki popcorn in space. Now, I mean, yeah. everything you can imagine. If you're, there, yeah, it, 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 your Tokyo Disney experience kind of begins and ends with the popcorn. Honestly, if you're not eating popcorn, pretty much every minute of every moment that you're at Disney, you're just. I don't know if you're getting the most out of your experience, guys. You just have to eat the popcorn all the time. And the popcorn buckets are amazing. People collect their popcorn buckets, and it's like they have a popcorn bucket for every day of the week, every outfit in their closet. It's just, it's just part of the experience. And then the next area is the uh, Lost Delta River, which is home to Raging Spirits. Raging Spirits, which is a forgettable roller coaster. Raging Spirits is fun. Okay, so the Lost River Delta, which is a Mexican-themed area of the park, it's basically what the Indiana Jones area of Disneyland Paris was supposed to be, where it was going to have a clone of the Disneyland Anaheim Indiana Jones ride and also the uh, looping coaster, which Paris ended up only with just the coaster. Disney Sea got both. They got the a, they got an updated version of Disneyland's um, Indiana Jones. The biggest difference really is just the way that the ride is set up. It's located right on the midway. The so there, queue, a couple of there isn't a, differences. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the one at Tokyo Disney Sea takes place in Mexico, whereas the one in Anaheim is in Adventureland and takes place in India. So there's a couple of subtle differences related to the different geography, but it's for all intents and purposes, it's just the, the Disney Sea is just a slightly better version of the ride. There hasn't there's an extra scene. Um, towards the end of the ride that Anaheim's doesn't have. Uh, and then Raging, Raging Spirits, which is a very nice companion to the, the dark ride here. It's not so much an e-ticket ride in the same sense that Journey to the Center of the Earth and the Indie ride and like Tower of Terror are, but it's a good complement um, to, to Indy. And um, the one at Disneyland Paris is not everyone's favorite. I really like it. The one at Disney Sea is a much, much more impressive looking uh, version of the same ride with, with uh, fire effects and waterfalls and, and lots of little Fog. details throughout. Like it's, it, they really dressed it up nicely. Um, some people would say that it's lipstick on a pig, but like, especially Sean, cause Sean doesn't, Sean is too tall for raging spirits. And um, we actually, we got him to ride just by the sheer grace of good fortune because our first attempt of getting we tried him to like ride. five yeah. times to ride, and I only rode it once. The only time we were able to get it on was that it was actually, it was raining, and uh, it made it harder for the staff member to actually gauge whether or not he was too tall for the ride, and we kind of just got fudged through. We're acting like the rain was in our face. Yeah. We're kind of bending over. You know, when it's like, raining, you know, the trees are slumping, and everyone's kind of craning their necks, and, you know, it, it was just easier it was it was enough of a distraction for us to get Sean on the ride. Which we tried again when it rained and they won't let us. Yeah, but at least I got on a once. We got the credit and um, the park. You know, the reason that the height thing is there is just because there's not a lot of distance between the top of the shoulder harness and the seat. 
So, Sean, I mean, you're, you're right. You said your ride was okay, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, it was pretty comfortable. It was, fine. it was comfortable enough. It's just a it's just a pain in the butt. The, the height requirement thing is honestly kind of excessive, but it's not really an issue because there's so few people visiting this park that exceed the height max. Um, but he got the credit, and that's what matters. And then the next area is the um, Port, Port Discovery. Discovery, which is kind of tied in with Mystery Island. It's on the backside of the volcano. has the same steampunk thing going on. It's actually on the ocean. It has the infamous Aquatopia ride. So cute. Which you wrote that a bunch. Aquatopia is so fun. It's like trackless dark ride, like Winnie the Pooh, Mystic Manor. It's a little bit like Luigi's Rollickin' Roadsters but it's in the at water. DCA, but it's in the water. It's in like six inches of water. And the cars just kind of have a mind of their own, or so it seems, and they scuttle about in the tide and... There's whirlpools and waterfalls and water cannons and lights. and Yeah, it's cute. It's, it's really it's cute. Fun. In the summertime, you can get wet on it, apparently. This is sort of the, the, par- the, the park's Only water ride. wet ride. I mean, Sinbad is a water, is a flume ride, but you don't get wet, much in the same way that you don't get wet on Small World. Aquatopia is not a flume ride, but it will. you can get wet when you ride it in the summertime. They also have the Nemo and Friends um, Sea Rider yeah, ride it's a, it's, Yeah, it's a big... Star Simulator Tours. themed to being <laughs> like a bigger at the Discovery version of Center Tours. or whatever of of finding the Marine Find Life Dory. Institute Finding Dory. It was super cute. It was cute, but it wasn't memorable. It's the one example of really. Of, it's one of the only. It's one of the only examples where like you have an intellectual property tie-in with the park, and it feels just a tiny bit forced. But it, it's also, I guess, because it's newer and it doesn't like Indiana Jones and Aladdin and stuff and The Little Mermaid. A lot of that feels a little bit more natural. Um. But having said that, I mean, it's the park is called Disney Sea. I think if there's any intellectual property, Disney intellectual property that belongs in a park called Disney Sea, aside from maybe the Little Mermaid, I guess Little Finding Nemo is pretty much the most deserving. Um, port Discovery, I feel like, has the least amount going for it, except for maybe like the entrance of the park. The entrance of the park, the Mediterranean area, finally has a true ride now. Uh, it, they open. They're opening their version of Soren like this week, um, like soon. It's probably already soft opened, but yeah, they have they have their version of Soren, and it's themed to um, Leonardo da Vinci's uh, flying machines. Beautiful, perfect thematic incorporation. That's probably one of the best qualities about Disney Sea is that whatever you know conventions and Disney stuff that they build there, they do such a good job of making it work for that park's aesthetic. Nothing there really sticks out. You know, their their Twilight Zone Tower of Terror is not the Twilight Zone. It's just Tower of Terror, and it's in the uh, American waterfront area of the park. And rather than it being themed to the Twilight Zone... It's themed to Mr. Hightower's... Harrison Hightower's... Hightower. Yeah. Hotel. And it is themed to a big collection that he has. It's going to show it off to all his rich people in New York in his big hotel. And he has his little... Tiki themed, tiki, tiki statue, <laughs> tiki idol. It's that cursed. goes crazy and yeah. curses the elevator, and they're gonna be on the elevator. Now most elevators on this tower tower are pretty cursed. However, the ones in Tokyo Disney Sea are lame at best. There's not much going on. There's a three point seat belt. Unless, unless yeah. you're lucky, you get a good view of downtown Tokyo at a distance. The ride is pretty forgettable. It's kind of a frog hopper sort of thing. Yeah, like a giant frog hopper. It with a long looks line. beautiful. We call it. It's just. It's the, oh yeah, it's the, the most pretty tower. Yeah, it's really pretty. Like it's, it's so pretty. Great for setting a scene. However, actually on the ride, ride it's not wise, that good. It's, yeah. Um, and then yeah, the American Waterfront is the biggest area of Tokyo Disney Sea. They have. Uh, like Art Deco New York, which is the biggest subsection of American Waterfront, and that's where Tower of Terror is. 
Uh, they also have a Cape Cod themed area at the park with no rides. Just a bunch of meeting um, and restaurants. But food, uh, Duffy Bear, which is another it was huge. was born in Cape Cod. That's a huge. So that there's just something. I don't know what it is about Duffy Bear. It's this teddy bear character that the Japanese Disney peeps are just obsessed with. Um, and Duffy Bear is from the Cape Cod area of Tokyo Disney Sea. So that's really kind of the, the hallmark of that little subsection. The third area is American Waterfront is the, the Toy Story Trolley Park, which has a Coney Island like um, incandescent light bulb laden Luna Park kind of feel to it with the Toy Story Mania clone. Um, really nice looking. I don't, we didn't even write it. Did right. we? I wrote it on a previous trip. No, we were too busy eating custard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The little dumplings. alien. Yes. If you can, when you're at Disney Sea, American Waterfront should have them for sale in a cart somewhere, but I've also seen them in other places. The we cart. had to run around to find little, them. The little uh, Toy Story alien custard dumplings. One with strawberry, one with vanilla, one with chocolate. Amazing. So good. So good. It's really just about the food. Disney Sea, popcorn, and other snacks, and also people also, watching. The food in the Mediterranean Harbor, there's this Italian restaurant, quick oh, yeah. service. So good. Pasta chips. Pasta chips. The pasta crisps, whatever they're called. Oh, yeah. They were really, really they're great. seasoned, baked spaghetti. Spaghetti. Yeah. And they were so good. And, uh, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Disney Sea, it, I mean, we just finished talking about it for probably too long, but. We Here's one thing though about Disney Sea. Disney Sea is one of the best parks ever created. However, when it comes to the battle between Disney Sea and Shanghai Disneyland, there's one thing you have to know. Disney Sea lacks a good roller coaster, and Disney Sea lacks a good wet ride. Yeah. As for, Tokyo, as for Shanghai Disney has both. Disney Sea, I mean, they've got Aquatopia, which qualifies as the water ride in the summertime, but it's not actually a, like it's a not yeah. Wet and, ride, and then you know? and then of course Raging Spirits. Fill, you know, checks the box for coasters, but it's no Tron. <laughs> so Tron. I mean, it's for a for a park that's significant, that amazing, and that large. It does truly like a large Disney Sea is basically like, give me an Everest Club like there. the dark ride capital of the world, with the exception of I mean, I guess it's arguable, but with Tower of Terror, Sinbad, uh, Indiana Jones, Twenty Thousand Leagues, Journey, Toy Story Mania. I mean, this park has just is excessive almost, and it's. Dark ride. I mean, Soren. Now, like it's, this ride is just dark ride central, uh, and then. But if you're not, if you're there for more than just dark rides, you might feel like it's not that great. There's some areas of the park that need improvement. I mean, yeah, the Jap, the the, the, the Tokyo Disney Resort as a whole is not very coaster centric. I mean, they've got five coasters total. Two of them are kitty coasters, and the other three are clones. Yeah, and none of them are are really big rides. They don't have anything. Their biggest coast is Big Thunder Mountain. Yeah, they don't. They don't have. Resort. They don't have anything on the scope of, of like Expedition Everest or even Rock and Roller Coaster. Yeah. At this park, it is just it's dark rides. That's that is what I think it lacks. Yeah. So, but still, I mean, it's amazing. Is that you can just wander around like an entire day not ride anything, and you still it'd be worth the money because it's so people watching, and so beautiful, basking in the in the some majesty. Oh yeah, bottled green tea. That's yeah, another yeah. thing. Mochi. Green tea? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, green tea mochi. Green tea mochi. Anyways, um, that's Disney Sea. If you have one day and they don't sell park harbor tickets, just so right. you know, you should pick Disney Sea. Go to park. Disney Sea. Do yourself yeah. a favor. Yep, Disney Sea it is. Tokyo Disneyland is literally like the, the Oriental Land company people went through with clipboards and went to Disneyland and Magic Kingdom and plucked their favorite things from those two parks and made one super Disneyland. 
and they've added, you know, a handful of custom attractions since then. And Curry. Disney Sea is just is is it's a rare example. It's a lot like Islands of Adventure, actually, where like as soon as Universal Studios Florida opened Islands of Adventure, that was the flagship park of the resort. It just immediately took the reins of being like the reason why people go to this place. Um, so, yeah. And then um, before we get to another major Japanese park, which is Nagashima Spa Land, we're actually going to jump to two parks in the Tokyo region real quick while we're still on topic of Tokyo. We want to make sure we talk about every park that we went to on the, on the Ace trip. Yeah, so, so we'll, make, we'll, make a, we'll make it quick. We went to Toshimane, which is located in Tokyo as well. Mm-hmm. Um, has a classic arrow double corkscrew with trains that are like on Canyon Blaster. It was actually really smooth. Like Drak- if, if you're a fan of Drakenfire, Dragonfire, yeah. Canyon Blaster at um, uh, in Vegas, though. like a rare example of these funky '90s arrow trains. Um, I really Toshimayan is definitely a product of the the Japanese theme park slump. This park they used to have a Schwarzkopf shuttle loop. Um, they closed it in 2005, and just on our trip, which is less than a year ago now. They started demolishing the station for the for the shuttle loop. It was the ride has been had been gone for thirteen years, and they finally started taking down uh, the remnants of the ride. Um, the park hasn't built the park doesn't seem to have built anything new in a while. But I mean, what's there? I mean, everything was open, and um, their signature ride, which is the Cyclone, um, a Togo jet coaster from the sixties, that Hall's ass and was so amazing. Um, we read it, I think, did we ride it twice or did we just talk about riding it twice? We it twice. It was, what a cool ride. It's a terrain ride. It's got tunnels and stuff. Um, this park was originally more famous for being a water park. Um, I think it has like the original Lazy River or something. It has some claim to fame that's water park related. It may have been the original Wave Pool. Like yeah. in the 60s, they were building water park conventions that are now considered very normal, but 50 years ago they were not. So this was a park that was pioneering. Um, there, uh, something else that they're known for is like most of the, they have a lot of flat rides. They have a fabulous collection of flat rides, most of which are um, Huss flat rides. And they're almost all of them are on rooftops. The park has lots of like little shops and um, restaurants and stuff. And for every building in the park, there seems to be a ride on top of it. They have a, a Troika that's on the roofs. They have um, a pair of giant Intamin swinging ships. Nagashima Spa Land actually has these two, these giant flying pirate rides. Um, the capacity for these things is incredible. It's like four times the size of like a normal pirate ship ride. Definitely represents an era of Toshimayan's existence where they had a lot of attendance, and I don't know if they're pulling in a lot of people these days. The park seemed like it was kind of struggling with modern-day competition. Uh, didn't seem as busy as it used to be, but you can kind of see, you know, the park was one of the thriving amusement park. They had a house condor. Rides, the house and condor, a mini condor was amazing. And a baby condor, the only one we've ever seen, where instead of, like, the four wheels of, of little bird vehicles, it's just a single wheel on a on one small tower. Super cute. cute. Yeah, and they, yeah, a couple. No, they had a, a power coaster, flume. a fun log flume, log, and a kitty log flume too. They had a blower ensign that's on, of course, on a rooftop, and they had a Toys R Us in a parking lot. Oh yeah, they had a Toys R Us in the parking lot. Um, so yeah, that's a fun park if you're in the area. I would definitely say do it. Very There's Japanese. a couple of uh, yeah, a couple. We did of this credits. one on the Good same. We did this one on the same day as uh, Yomiuri Land. 
Emmy Reland kind of stole the show. It's got a little bit more going on, but Toshimaya is, is classic, a classic Japanese experience. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I think they're they're doing okay, and I think they're they're probably getting ready to do something major. The fact that they were demolishing, finally demolishing the station for the shuttle loop is is um, a good sign of of progression for them. So we'll see. And then we also went to um, Sea Paradise and yeah. in the Tokyo area. The animals don't look very happy. However, they had this crazy togo coaster. It's called the Surf Le- Coaster Leviathan. Leviathan. Really and great it's ride. over the water, which is really cool. Um, it was just a really fun ride. I thought it was really great. Um, it has good air. It's kind of like a mini hyper coaster with a bunch of helices. Yeah. Oh, and over the water. It feels like a miniature Fujiyama, which is, you know, Appraise. the highest possible compliment one could pay is to compare a ride to Fujiyama, at least according to us. Yeah, so that was good. Um, this is the park that has the 350-foot Intamin giant drop blue fall with, like, the fake-out drops, like little magnetic brake fins. It was definitely right running when we got to the park, or when we got to the actual ride, it closed down for this a day. It sucked, because so. it was like, we get there... With like four hundred people, and we, and then like the only thing that was actually open for us by the time we were able to ride anything was the coaster. So we went, and you know the animals stuff. The animals, like like you said, they didn't seem particularly happy. We were there for like an hour, and it was like, all right, whatever. The coaster was good. Uh, yeah, the animals it was for typically typically Japanese, very small animals seem to stress, but yeah, um, you know that's just Japan for you to be honest. Yeah, um, and then. The last park okay. on our podcast on our Kauai Coast of Kings Spallin. is Nagashima. Nagashima Spallin. Spallin. We loved this park it so is much. Amazing. I cannot believe this park. It is small, again. It is not as small as Fuji Q, but it's small. It's very concise. However, they fit a mall, a water park, a resort, a spa, wow. and a theme park in one spot, which is why Steel Dragon actually fits there because you just circumnavigate that entire thing I just talked about. That's a good place to start, Steel Dragon 2000. Steel Dragon. So, like, everyone wants to know, well, here you are. It's a fantastic coaster. We it's great. It's amazing. We're not led to believe that we would be able to ride Steel Dragon because we well exceed the height cap. Particularly me. Uh, the ride oh height cap is, what, like 180 centimeters, 185? So Basically, it's like 6'2 six, like is the cap. And I'm 6'5". So we didn't think we'd get to ride it, but we had no problems. We got on. This ride is a gift. I'm sorry, Monium Force people, but... Um, Our main trick was getting exit passes, purchase them. Yeah. And then going through the exit and never, ever going... Yeah, we never went through the control. main queue. Yeah. The so, only uh, thing is like you had to have a certain amount of clicks to, yeah. to ride, which some large Americans could not do. The ride However, has, we were fine on that regard. This is a Morgan Manufacturing hypercoaster, and it has B&M no, trains. No, coaster. It is over coaster. It was crazy. <laughs> and it has B&M trains, um, which were added a couple years ago. The ride runs like a dream. The trains are beautiful. Um, this ride is, is such a so, long This ride. ride is so much better than Millennium Force. It's not Longest steel coaster in the world. Yep. Eight, over 8,500 feet long. I mean, everything it does... So, first of all, the superstructure is fantastic to look at because it is the most overly... Well designed coaster yeah. because of the earthquakes. Earthquake so like every single support is like three supports in one. Like if you look at it, it's just literally like big tripods everywhere. This ride was holding up track, almost as much money as like Everest. Like it was, it was fifty million, incredibly actually. expensive. But yeah, it was really really expensive for that for the for the times particularly. Yeah, very long, very smooth, a lot of airtime, incredible airtime. The trains are really long because of the modification made so they had morgan trains they built bnm trains and you know bnm trains are usually the v seating or four in a row however it's actually just two across it's two across right behind each other so trains much longer the ride 
just runs like a dream. It's a little bit of a of a, of a hammering, a little bit of a vibration on the bottom of the first drop because it's just going, going so through fast. so fast. Um, but yeah, Millennium Force Leviathan take a seat because yeah. it's just everyone's like, oh well, Millennium Force, you know, set the standard. No, it didn't. Steel Dragon two thousand opened like three weeks later and just just beats mm-hmm. the piss out of Millennium Force. It's just not even close. It's not even a fair fight. Um, People are like, well, well, you know, you're judging Millennium Force based on like Fury and I three hundred five and like, you know, they, they just weren't, you know, they it just that's they were just doing the best with what you know they could at the time. I'm like, nope, no. Nope. Sure, they did their best. They tried their best. However, Steel but Dragon two thousand Dragon is just better than even Leviathan is. It's yeah, uh, I or even better than I three hundred five. I like Steel Dragon better than Fury. I mean, I like I three hundred five a lot. But I think it's over in a flash. Steel Dragon, Steel Dragon is, is my gone. favorite. Giga coaster and it it's it, it for a lot of concrete reasons like tons of airtime, great pacing. It's super long, but also some some unusual. We like rides with character. I never thought that a giga coaster would be a ride that would possess much character, but this ride has a very Japanese ness quality about it. After the big figure eight at the end of the ride, it kind of has this well, funky yeah, yeah, like right, yeah. return to the mid course, like this weird little zigzag bit, and it just felt so odd. Um, like a nice little homage to the Japanese jet coasters before it. And then there's about sixteen airtime hills before you get back to the, the return. Front of the yeah. Also, the mid course is is not. It doesn't slow you at all. This isn't like Steel Force or. The other, you know, Forget the Morgan, the Morgan hypers uh, at the Cedar Fair parks that, you know, th- their potential is squandered by the harshness of the mid course thing. This thing just sails through the mid course, and the airtime is just banging, like a like an improved Magnum XL two hundred return to the station. You get that amazing air somewhere between ejector and floater. Uh, the restraints, because they're B&Ms, it's so much more comfortable for the average rider than, like, Magnum would be. And it's just prolonged. I mean, this ride leaves you breathless. It's a knockout. And it actually has... There's other rides in this park that are equally as good, too, which is really amazing. Ultra Twister. Ultra Twister was the one that we rode the most. Because it was the most Japanese. They rode the most? Or rode Dragon? They rode Ultra Twister four times. And Dragon, Dragon three, three times. times. Okay, there you go. Ultra Twister was... The favorite of the day, even though Dragon left a more lasting impression. That's because, I mean, you go to Japan and all you want to ride is an Ultra, Ultra Twister. Twister because it's the most Japanese weird fucking. And we were so we're so happy that it was as good as it was. We rode in the front at least once, the middle and the back twice. Uh, the drop is great. There's airtime on the Camelback. The there, barrel rolls the are cool. The brakes, however, like on the transfer track, like in mid ride, where it like shifts you backwards, shit was painful. Yeah, punches just, you in the nuts basically. Oh. Uh, but the ride itself is so amazing and weird and satisfying, and you can't even believe. And that, it's like, very like production modeling, but the entire park's production modeling because yeah. then there's the production model Living Star, which ran great, mm-hmm. has a bunch of trees around it, which is yeah. kind of cool. And then they have the production model um, Arrow Double Cork, which is really good too. Their production model Schwarzkopf Shuttle Loop, which, which was, was, not was closed on our visit, but it's open now. They're, they're, the fact that this park has a Schwarzkopf Shuttle Loop and a Looping Star and a Double Cork. And, and Ultra Twister. And a Intamin Freefall. I mean, like, this park, it's just it's just production rides everywhere, uh, old and new, and then a, a couple of really standout custom rides, um, particularly Steel Dragon. Haikuge was... Um, under construction over there. Well underway and amid its transformation. Some of our friends who have been 
to the park since its opening, sing the praises of the ride. Um, a friend of mine said that he liked it as much as Steel Vengeance because it's different. Not necessarily better than Steel Vengeance, but not worse. Uh, a, a great uh, credit to the, this already amazing commanding uh, lineup. And then as far as, uh, aside from, from the other major uh, coasters and the and Ultra Twister, the next best uh, major standout ride there for us was actually their 40 free spin, Arashi. Oh my god, Arashi. <laughs> All right, so... Have you ever felt like you might lose an eyeball on a coaster? So you know how like the layout is really, really simple? It's like you go up a vertical lift, there's three bunny hills, there's a raven turn, there's two bunny hills, a raven turn, break run. Or I don't know what the hell it was in that ride. The entire time, I was so confused that we were like close to the end yet, if we had just begun, because that thing spun at least 10 flips or 10, 10, 10 flips or inversions and our small ride cycle. I cannot believe the intensity, the potential of this crazy ride. I think because this ride uh, is relatively close to Ijanika, this the bar for a ride like this, the 4D ride concept, is set very high when you have the best case scenario 40 coaster, um, you know, a yeah, few hours Ijanika away. Amazing, so yeah. Arashi is, is the abridged uh, 4D coaster, but... What a knockout for as far as the space and, and stuff. We all know uh, what a nice use of space these these uh, forty free spins are. They 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 they're a credit to the lineups of the parks that they in which they can be found. All these um, Six Flags parks and things. But um, Arashi is really running in a way that best represents what the ride is capable of. Um, it probably operates in a way that makes SNS very proud. Because this ride just runs on beast mode. You'll blo- you could pop a blood vessel in your face. Yeah, I mean, it was so intense things. that I was, I, I was screaming for my dear life. Yeah. And I was scared. We wrote it, it was, twice. It was, it was legit, legit scary, but it left such a mark that one ride again. It's we wrote it twice, and it was even scarier the second time. Yeah, so I'd definitely say if you have, like, if I had to pick a top three in the park, it would be Steel Dragon, Arashi, and Elder Twister. Absolutely. And I have never thought a production model SNS free spin could do that. And, I mean, it kinda, and then you'll crazy. come back to America and you ride like one of the Joker clones at Six Flags. And you and you're do like, like one and a half inversion. You're like, this is cute. You're like, oh my God. And once you know what these things are capable of, because if you ride on a Rashi, you're like, this is stupid. Like, but yeah, I would say go and um, look up the video from TPR. There is a TPR video of a Rashi, which has like a bunch of mounted um, cameras everywhere on the train. And you can see how crazy that thing flips. Oh my God. I just remembered they have Acrobat too. Oh, that's right. They have, they a, have a Manta flyer. clone. That's the right. B&M flyer at uh, SeaWorld Orlando. So, as you is, can notably understand, a few thousand feet from where we're currently sitting. Yeah, yeah it's, it's less than a mile from where we're currently sitting. Um, <laughs> Acrobat, which is a, it's beautiful. It looks great. The Japanese people uh, are really into flying coasters, apparently, because uh, Nagashima Spa Land and Universal Studios Japan have chosen B&M flying coasters to be. Uh, major, major flagship components of their park. I guess for us, it's uh, this incredible ride as it is, uh, it's easy for us to forget when we're gushing over uh, Togo's and Steel Dragon and Arashi and multiple Schwarzkopf coasters and, uh, you know, a classic Aero Quirks crew. I mean, 
funny enough, I mean, I guess that's just kind of the enthusiasts we are, but like the B&M coaster kind of gets lost here. But um, just a great ride in its own right. It feels a little odd without like the aquariums and the the foliage of SeaWorld. Like I think we like SeaWorlds better. Oh, by far. Um, I mean, the ride is really like tailored to SeaWorld Orlando's layout and like every element kind of has its, has its place and then you know the little finale section with the water and stuff like everything is very much incorporated with the park's layout and the aquarium and then if you put it on a flat piece of land i was like why would you recreate this exact layout because the layout of manta is not perfect by any means however it makes sense for seaweed orlando and its integration now i don't know why you would just put that on the it's not land. bad it's not bad, but like I mean, I, I guess else. yeah. If you're gonna, I mean, yeah, I'm I guess just save on designing costs. I, I guess, I guess it, well, it's better than like a Superman clone. Like if you're well, gonna, I'm glad. Better I'm glad that they clone. they just that they went with this and not you know and like the the they have it, the way that the ride is positioned is very scenic because it's it's on um it's between the parking lot and Steel Dragon. So the ride is is definitely an all eyes. Uh, upon it kind of thing. It is a good-looking ride. It's got a nice paint job. Um, the landscaping doesn't feel as lush as SeaWorld, but, but it's, it's nice. It's They've got palm yeah. trees and stuff. You can tell. You can tell that they were that these that the snog, the Spotland people went to SeaWorld and rode Manta, and they were like, "We need this uh, for our park to the best uh, possible ability." But obviously, no no live animals or anything. Uh, as part of the atmosphere, but it has you know the wing dip, which faces the midway side. It's a good looking ride from all angles, so it's a good choice in that respect. And um, it's it it's a different you know Spaland just has a great variety of, of kinds of things. They've got a bunch of sit down looping coasters from the seventies, but they also have a great variety of, of modern coasters. Um, and an Intamin Freefall, and. Uh, they have a vintage, you know, they've got, of course, the obligatory vintage Togo jet coaster. Um, they had a kitty-powered coaster themed to Peter Rabbit. Um, yeah, no, uh, they have a small log flume that's relatively new. They don't have, like, a major log flume, but they have, like, this very mild little log flume that's somewhere between, like, a full-size flume and, like, a kitty flume. Like, it's on the same scale as, like, old arrow flumes from the 60s with, like, one drop. But it was super cute. Uh, and then they have a giant shoot the shoot, uh, a la Cedar Point or Doherty Park or Hershey Park, and um, just a ton of flat rides. And the bob carts. Oh yeah, the bob cart. That was another. The, there's not very many of these. Wild mice. Vikend uh, electric bob cart. Oh yeah, and they have two wild mouse Mac mice that are parallel to each other, facing each other. Yeah. Mirror images of each other. Yeah, the park is a lot, has a lot to offer. Park's got a lot going on. We're excited to go back. Of yeah, all the we parks, wanted because the water park is really cool too. And they had the, the whole spa thing going on. So we wanted to do like a spa stay where we do like two days at the hotel. The spa is open to like eleven PM. So do like the theme park during the day, do I some think spa stuff. Of all know, of the parks cool. that we went to in Japan, this is the one that made us the most want to come back. Oh well, yeah, we were talking about like planning a trip just for that. Like just flying to Nagoya, do because we like Nagoya as a city a lot too. Nagoya is a cool city. It's like a smaller Tokyo, a little more low key. Like Tokyo's busy and it's very much like competing to be flashy. But then Nagoya was a little more low key. Just kinda of walk around the streets and it was all it was all nice. We went and to it the, wasn't busy. We were and, supposed to go to um the this we talked about this in the first podcast actually the first Japan podcast we were supposed to go to the uh, Park España Shima Spain Village amusement park near Nagoya um, which is near Nagoya 
Um, but we got, there was a typhoon happening. So we didn't go there. Um, we went to the Port Nagoya Aquarium instead, um, you know, in the morning before the typhoon rains came. And um, that that aquarium visit, which they've got beautiful orcas, it's sort of like a SeaWorld thing, but more of a... Sorry. <laughs> Sean is doing sign language. What are you doing? What are you doing? I had to stop it. It's like use the restroom. Oh, well, we're almost done. Okay, hurry up then. Okay, sorry. Go. Okay. <laughs> um, so we, so, okay. Sven, I, I hope you can fix this. Cut <laughs> out the last, like, 20, yeah. 30 seconds. Man. Okay, yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to talk about Port Nagoya for a little bit? Yeah, sure. So Port Nagoya, uh, Port Nagoya is a, an aquarium that's actually at the port. Uh, it wasn't too far from our hotel, um, but they house killer whales, dolphins. They have, like, an underwater stadium, and they have an above-water stadium. So you can either watch, like, the dolphin show from above the water or you can go into the aquarium section where you can actually see the entire dolphin tank underwater, which is kind of cool. Um, they have belugas, and then that is all part of the new, like the north section of the aquarium. Now the south section of the aquarium has is, is the original aquarium, which is more like the you know, traditional tanks, like turtles, sharks, um, you know, big fish tanks, tropical tanks. It, it was really, really cool, like the way it was connected. We spent a good, how many hours there? Like three or four hours? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed that. They have a little orca demonstration. The gift shop was lit. The gift shop was lit. Uh, it was cool. Yeah, so if, you, if you're ever in Nagoya and you don't want to just do theme parks, I mean, I'm usually not an advocate for, like, zoos and aquariums in Japan because I'm not the biggest fan of their animal treatment. Definitely by the but standards But we enjoyed of Japan. that. Like, by Japanese standard, it was a nice facility. You're I not going to find better cared for captive animals in the country than at this place, I don't think. Yeah, it was, it was nice. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a nice facility. It was a great little extracurricular and, you know, it's it's close to, to the city center, which is nice. But, yeah, if you ever have to pick a place that is not Tokyo, I honestly advise Nagoya. They got Nagashima nearby, some other major theme parks. Cool Osaka's aquarium. cool, too, but it's it's also very big and busy and uh Yeah, Osaka felt like more like Tokyo. It was just busy. Nagoya really feels more low-key and um, probably more of a locals kind of city. Uh, than than some than the other two bigger uh, metros in Japan. Um, definitely a place we look forward to going back, doing a little spa land and uh, Legoland Nagoya, which we hear That's is right. really nice. Yeah, they have a lot of things in here. I keep forgetting how much there is to do. And I I would go back to the aquarium and then Shima Spain. The airport you can find out. Yeah, I mean there's even flights in the U.S. that go straight to Nagoya. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would definitely say yeah, Nagoya. Delta Airlines, Detroit to Nagoya. No one's ever on that flight, so. Probably cheaper than Tokyo. You might see us there. You might see us on the flight because we have a spot trip to make. Next time. Um, so yeah, that kind of wraps up our Kawaii Kosa Kings 2 episode story about all of Japan's crazy theme parks. There's still a couple I haven't been to. Like, we're still like, um, what's that goes with the big boom? The that boom drop? Ha- um, Nasu Highland. Nasu Highland. And then we're missing... Uh, Mitsui Greenland. Mitsui Greenland. Which and has Rutsu Resort. Rutsu Resort. Yeah. There's definitely some big parks that we're missing. That we but they're can, like out of the way. They're either in sure. super south Japan or super north Japan. and Not the easiest to get to. Um, but we've got our work cut out for us. There's definitely reasons to return to old parks that we visited and also some new parks. Yeah. And so with that, we're going to go to China later this year. <laughs> so By the way... 
and we'll do a couple episodes on China, like mainland China and on Hong Kong as yeah. well. We'll do an expose episode kind of like this or a pair. Which would be kind of cool because the Chinese parks are a whole different beast than the Japanese parks. We could are. probably do a whole episode on Shanghai Disney. That's our favorite place in the world. And maybe we'll do another episode on um, now ranking all Disney parks. Oh, yeah. Because we've been to all. We need to talk about Hong Kong too. Yep. The Hong Kong parks are great. Yeah, exactly. So, like I said, Hong Kong and mainland China. We have so much to Yeah, so we'll talk about that in future episodes. Uh, we'll do a couple more regular episodes in between. I appreciate everyone's understanding and patience in busy lifetimes. It's a super long episode, too. Thank you all for listening. So, um, we will see you again. Don't forget to follow us on the web. Lots of new content on thecozykings.com. And we will see you guys again soon. Bye. Bye.